EVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting day in the markets to say, even though there's a lot of green on the screen, there's just as much red when you flip the page and you look at the livestock side of it. We're going to talk about what what's all this buzz with the corn. You know, yesterday when we saw that 620, a lot of folks were getting pretty excited. But what does that mean? Is that a break right there in the corn? We got some better prices headed our way. And Speaking of, is this going to take a toll on what we see in the livestock trade? we got some planting stuff coming up, South American weather, and the struggle that we continue to see within this wheat complex. So a lot to look at today as Aaron Bertels joins us with Crossroads Marketing. And Aaron, let's start out with this corn price. I mean, obviously, we didn't finish it at a 620 today on the nearby corn, but it's definitely been talked about. And some wondering, and you mentioned it before we started this program, are we at a break or is there more coming? Well, we did kind of get to a point today that uh, was a spot I think a lot of people were looking for up around 630, just over it. Uh, we did close right on 620 essentially today versus the March contracts. Um, so a big drop off the highs, you know, and we've had some big moves here and it's been following wheat. You've got the issues that we're dealing with overseas, obviously, and, uh, you know, what's going to happen there and what kind of impact that's going to have on our exports is the big question um, that the green market's trying to trying to answer, <clears throat> you know, and so even if corn breaks a little bit here, I think the the real struggle and the real question is, is that just a break that, you know, we're going to find some support and come back up and make new highs again? I think that's, you know, maybe not new highs, but I think it's very likely that it doesn't break very far. Um, you know, we're in a situation here right now where we have a small carryout. We have some unknowns out there about whether or not the carryout can become smaller. Um, you know, if China has to come to us because they can't go to Ukraine for uh, some of this product. So I think there's a lot of unanswered questions that's going to keep a, a floor underneath this thing. So you say that, I mean, is this kind of set the tone for this corn market? And why suddenly is there so much excitement revolving around what's happening in this corn trade? I think it just comes down to the, I mean, one thing, first it started off with weather in South America, which has kind of subsided now and maybe isn't as big a risk. You know, obviously some damage is done down there and we still have a very long way to go on their second crop of corn, but it's not the hot topic that it was a little while ago. But the issue is, again, we just have a very short carryout and, you know, China typically does buy corn from Ukraine during this time. And if they have to come to us like they did last year for corn during this time because Ukraine is busy you know, trying to fend Russia off, then it's it's going to hurt our carryout even further, right? And something that we need to try to up prices to uh, stabilize that in case we don't get the acres that we need because of high input costs or in case we have poor weather as we move forward. There's just so many unknowns there. But what we do know is that our carryout is somewhat limited right now for what we'd like to have or what we're used to. And we need to go into this spring and summer feeling a little bit better or the market needs to feel a little bit better about what our supply is going to be at the end of the year. And if, if we, you know, have to start selling uh, an abundance of corn to China because this whole thing escalates, we're going to feel, you know, less, uh, we're not going to feel as good about that situation going into springtime as maybe we do today. So you look at this this market, and you talked about the weather a little bit, and you and I were mentioning the dryness that we're seeing right now, and obviously we've got some time before spring planting hits us here in the north, but to our producers in the south, you know, Texas, they're starting to think. It's getting close to February, now's the time to start thinking about some planting issues, and is there going to be some concern for dryness there as well? 
Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, the other issue is fertilizer costs and, you know, availability of fertilizer, which makes planting in dry conditions even tougher, right? I mean, you know, you're in those fringe areas and you're trying to figure out whether you're going to plant corn or beans um, with the cost of fertilizer and at these prices and with how dry it is, uh, it's it's going to be a tough decision to plant corn. And it's the same for, you know, areas up north and, and you know, some of those spots. Now, obviously, what those areas do is important for, to the overall picture and the overall amount of acres. Um, it's not as important to overall production sometimes, but, you know, first and foremost, we need to get a decent amount of acres. You saw some people come out today and talk about 93 million acres of corn. Um, you've seen some people around 92. Um, 93 is pretty high right now, um, you know, in my opinion, for, for compared to last year and, you know, what we're looking at. I do think that you're getting you're going to get some corn acres with prices like we have today in the areas that feel very comfortable with their situation so i don't think that's you know out of i don't think that that's impossible by any means but that's a pretty good number to be starting with considering the input prices and the dryness that we're looking at with with the weather that they've been talking about in south america now that february is around the corner and they're talking dryness once again the soybean prices that we're seeing what are your thoughts? Is it kind of expected with the way South America has been going this year? I think it's expected considering the problems that they had. Um, you know, this was the only thing, in my opinion, that could take soybean prices up to this level again was issues down there. And that's what we've seen. You know, we saw them have some problems. You've definitely taken yield off. Uh, now it's a question of just trying to price some of that in. But overall, the weather impact down there now is, is somewhat subsided. You know, you've You've gotten some rain in, in places in Argentina and southern Brazil and some of those places that needed it. Areas of southern Brazil, you know, there was damage already done there that's not going to be fixed. And that's why you've seen those total production numbers drop so drastically like they have for really everyone. And so now it's just about trying to price that difference in between what we thought we were going to have down there versus what we have today. But the overall risk and the reason that went up, I think, is pretty much done. It's just about pricing in the actual damage now. And waiting to hear those reports come in as, as their harvest continues and they get ready for this second corn crop. Absolutely. Yep. And that's going to be the biggest thing, too, moving forward is what is the weather continue to be right now? Their weather is improving, which is going to make the expectations for that corn crop, you know, improve. Time will tell. We'll stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready to head into the second half of today's Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to look at all these prices we've seen on, on the grains and what does this mean when you look at it from a cattle feeder's perspective or just livestock in general. More is coming up. We'll continue our conversation with Aaron Bertels in just a moment. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Talk to any of your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealers, and they're going to tell you performance is one of the keys to their success. Here's Chris Ross, a dealer near Plattsmouth, Nebraska. A lot of the guys that I work with, I have sold seed to their fathers and their grandfathers, so it goes back many years. I think when a grower calls me and says that he's getting the best yields that he's ever gotten on a farm, uh, it really is a very rewarding experience. It makes you feel really good about the product. For more, just go to Fontenelle. 1160. Now, final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Aaron Bertles. He is with Crossroads Marketing. We talked about the uh, the way these grain prices have been. We're going to talk about the livestock side of it as well and what it means to them. But from a wheat perspective, the dryness continues and that all the global tension issues that are happening as well. Is that going to take a toll on these wheat prices eventually? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, you're looking at obviously the big picture is the, the the problems overseas and you know what kind of issues that could happen there. And you know, we've had a big gain, but we had a big drop before this too in price. So wheat was well off its highs as far as any any grain product that we've we've had here, uh, and now it's gained a lot of that back here. And for good reason. I mean, the, the conditioning ratings have just been hammered. Um, you saw it again uh, this morning or yesterday when they came out. Uh, all of these places are just in levels that, you know, you don't see that often. Um, and it is so dry right now. And you haven't had a lot of snow cover in any of these places. Unfortunately, the temperatures haven't been that cold, but that's, you know, increasing the dryness. It's just not you know, looking at so much winter kill on wheat at this point. So nobody knows on wheat there. It's tough for anybody who want to stick their nose out on, you know, what kind of wheat crop we're going to have, but obviously the conditions have not been ideal. And it's just a huge wild card with, you know, what kind of problems we're going to see over there with Russia being the number one wheat exporter, um, you know, and what kind of impact that will have on, on them as we move forward here. So wheat's gained a lot back. I think you got to be a little bit careful here about what you're doing. Um, price-wise, because they are very good prices, right, especially as we move into July, and we are pricing in some a pretty poor wheat crop. Um, We're pricing in some issues overseas that may or may not actually happen. So uh, there is some premium in this market that could go the other way if, if things turn around. So, and that kind of leads into the livestock side of it, because we've been hearing a lot of reports of of cattle, you know, leaving these wheat stocks early because there's not enough feed place for them. That just puts an extra strain already on this cattle market. Well, yeah. And I mean, how do cattle know what to do with the stock market doing what it's doing the last two days? I mean, you have another day here today where it was down over 600 points and now it's positive again. Um, I think that certainly impacted cattle yesterday, you know, let alone the cattle on feed report on Friday. That was, you know, probably one of the more bearish ones we've had in a while, uh, just with the placement numbers that we saw compared to what the trade expected. But, you know, it's tough to judge that price right now when you have the stock market doing what it's doing. And, you know, we know how much kind of those things um, follow each other here. So, you know, you had a cold storage report that was a little more bearish, too, than you'd like to see from a cattle standpoint. And it's given up, you know, a decent amount of its gains uh, in the last few weeks. So, yeah, I, I think it is a, a tough situation. You know, the friendliness in that market has come from, you know, obviously cash has been good, but also just inflation concerns. And uh, you continue to see product that's just really expensive out there. And, you know, there you, you continue to hear things from the government about how they're going to try to you know, assist in these areas, but uh, you know this money's going somewhere, um, and right now it's it's certainly not in the producer's hands. So, how do we pencil it out? As you have those conversations with cattle feeders, and they look at that six twenty plus corn, and and our pork producers with the soybean prices and our poultry as well, how do we pencil it out? Yeah, I don't know that you do, um, especially with the you know cost of feeders until they've dropped off here recently. I mean, everything's up there um you know it's one of those things again where you're expecting that the prices are going to stay stable because of the economy and uh you know even with this drop in the stock market it's still a very good stock market and you have a lot of people out there who still have a decent amount of money because of the uh you know things that we've seen as far as government programs over the last couple years because of covid so uh you know at some point we're going to have to pay for that you know right now it's putting money in people's pockets it's allowing them to 
to spend it on some of this stuff, but maybe we're starting to see some of that slow down here because of the cold storage report and you know what took place there with the uh, um, with beef. It wasn't a huge adjustment, but it's it was more of an increase than you'd like to see month to month. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation with prices that are already decently high, but yet margins that really aren't. Are you hearing any consumer pushback from a retail perspective? From me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. But no, you know, not nothing drastic. It, it's just tough when you go there and you look at some of those prices for some of the higher end cuts. Um, it's a tough situation, you know, because the, the packer is obviously uh, charging a certain amount. And so, you know, the producer has to do the same and uh, do the best they can. But, you know, uh, these prices, you know, aren't fluctuating that much uh, in the store. You know, you, you're seeing fluctuations in the price here, but that's not really translating to the store. Um, so you're not seeing huge wild evidence of uh, consumer pushback, but uh, you'd like to see it just better in general, and it just hasn't been. Very much so. So what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Aaron? You can give me a call at 402-309-3171 or email me at abertles at crossroadsml.com. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As always, reminder to folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss and they're not suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. You can check this out at a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. And that's been the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.